Please stand for a reading from the Gospel according to Luke. Jesus said, But I say to you that listen, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you, If anyone strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. From anyone who takes away your coat, do not withhold even your shirt. Give to everyone who begs from you. And if anyone takes away your goods, do not ask for them again. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. If you do good, those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you hope to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much again. But love your enemies. Do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. Your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, as you, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For the measure you give will be the measure you get back. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Let us pray. Holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing to you, for you are our strength, and you are our Redeemer. Amen. So one of the most important early Christians was a man from North Africa named Tertullian. North Africa was famous for being home to many brilliant people, and Tertullian was notable among them. He became a Christian around the year 200, and in his long life, he made some major contributions to early Christian thought. Some call him even uh, the father of Latin Christianity and also the father of Western Christianity. Tertullian believed that Christians had a responsibility to demonstrate outwardly to the world that following Jesus meant a good life, a better life. He believed that non-Christians would be moved by watching the way that faith in Jesus leads Christians to live their lives and that they would want to live this way too. So what makes people who follow Jesus Christ's way of living and try to abide by his teachings, stand out in the world? Are there certain characteristics that Christians are known for or should be known for? 
how do you think that people today who do not subscribe to the Christian faith would describe Christians? When you think about the way that you live your life publicly, what role does your faith in Jesus play? Totillion imagined folks who weren't believers in Jesus would look at Christians and be moved by the deep love and commitment and affection that we have for each other. He said, what marks us in their eyes is our loving kindness. He thought Christians would stand out from the rest of the world because of our love. He said, non-Christians looking at us living our lives as disciples together would say, look at how they love one another and how they are ready to die for each other. Look at how they love one another. That's what the world should say about Christians. And that thought led Father Pete Schultz to write a song in the 1960s that says, they'll know that we are Christians by our love. You know that one. I went on a few safaris when I lived in Kenya with my friend uh, Stu, who was an avid birder. I was most interested in spending time watching the elephants or looking for cheetah or keeping an eye out for the ever elusive and very endangered black rhino. Stu, however, was always scanning the grasses and the trees with his Birds of East Africa book in hand. Even when driving, he was birding. He'd catch a colorful flash on the side of the road and Stu would point and swerve and exclaim, look, that was a Clark's Weaver. You can tell by its yellow belly. Driving through the Maasai Mara, he spotted a secretary bird strutting through the grass and Stu said, ah, you can tell by its long legs and eagle-like head. I imagine a, a time long ago when finding a Christian was rare and exciting. One might just be going about their day when suddenly, look, Susan, a group of Christians. You can tell by the way they love each other. Today, it's harder to recognize a follower of Jesus. Certainly, there are many people who flock to churches, but that doesn't mean they follow Jesus in the way that they live their lives. Folks wear jewelry and with crosses and put bumper stickers on their cars to announce to the world that they belong to the tribe of Christianity, which makes me wonder if they didn't do these things, would anything indicate their devotion to Jesus? Regrettably, that which makes Christians truly unique in the world, the way that we love, is not how we are most known today. Nor do Christians have a corner on the market of love. In fact, increasingly in this country, those who are not followers of Jesus do not recognize Christians by our love, but by what they call extremism. A 2016 study showed that 45% of non-Christians believe the Christian faith is extremist, and that extremism is a threat to society. Without going into all the details of how the survey defined extremism, suffice it to say, extremists for love is not what they meant. The unique nature of Christian love is no longer our calling card, according to modern Western culture. The unique plumage of the dwindling North American Christian is often described as judgmental, seeking more members and more money, 
and exclusive. Another recent study found that only 37% of Americans find Christian clergy to be trustworthy. All of which is to say, to those who do not consider themselves to be Christians, Christians don't stand out from the wider culture in any uniquely positive way. Christians do good, loving, generous things, and so do people of other faiths or no faith. Where we do stand out, it tends to be in the bad headlines that illuminate hypocrisy. So now is a particularly important time for Jesus' followers to listen with fresh ears to the voice of the one in whose name we come and live and move and have our being. Beginning in the Sermon on the Plain where Jesus announced, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. And blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you and revile you and defame you on account of the Son of Man. And then follows it up with, Woe to you who are rich, full, happy, and popular. It was clear that Jesus is describing a way of actively living in his kingdom. He was teaching us how to be a community of disciples set apart from the larger culture because of our kinship with the Creator God and the reconciling Son who are always kind and merciful and always forgiving. The ethic that Jesus laid out for his followers sets a higher standard for us as Christians. Not because we are better than anyone else, but because we have come to know that we are children of the Most High, and that means that we live like it. We are not bound to values of the culture. We are held to the standard of God, who is love. To those with ears, let them listen. To those with hearts telling them that living according to whatever the culture is valuing at any given moment, or fighting about, or competing over, or trying to build up as fame and fortune is ultimately unfulfilling and exhausting. To those tired of being let down and left out, to those who have a, a sense deep down that there is a different and more satisfying, fulfilling way to live this life, Jesus says, listen up, because here it comes. The word of the day, the word of a lifetime, is the word of love. The word is love. I don't know if John and Paul had Jesus' sermon in mind when they wrote the Beatles song, The Word. But they pretty much get the gist of Jesus' message today. They say, share the word and you'll be free. Share the word and you'll be like me. Share the word I'm thinking of. Have you heard the word is love? It's so fine. It's sunshine. The word love. Jesus says to the crowds of recently healed folks, to the poor, the hungry, the grieving, and the mistreated, okay, now listen up. Love. You've been healed. Now love. The word is love. And he's talking about a radical love, a love that doesn't stay inside the lines, a love that doesn't follow all of the rules, a love that expands our sense of family and which doesn't recognize national borders or tribal territory, a love that, that bounds over walls and enters prisons, 
A love that unites and values cultures and tribes so that all people are native citizens in the land of God's love. The love of which Jesus speaks flourishes even when bodies and minds are weakened. It continues to unite hearts even when they have stopped their beating. Jesus' love conquers even death. Jesus' command to love is not situational. It's universal. We don't just love when we like and who we like. We don't just love what we can see and touch, but love is the condition of life for Christians. The world will only know that we are Christians by our love when we know that we are following Jesus because of his love. Jesus said, love your enemy. If anyone listening to Jesus' sermon of blessings and woes thought that they were going to get to see their least favorite person finally get what's coming for them, well, Jesus cuts to the heart with a command to love. This isn't a command to be passive, to lay down and take mistreatment and abuse. We never see Jesus back down from those who challenge his teachings and his healings and his forgiving ways. We see him actively confront evil time and time again. But Jesus never lets go of love. He does not let an enemy have the power to turn him to hate. Stand up for the suffering in love. You don't have to stay in a situation where someone is mistreating you in order to love. In fact, you get help before they wound anymore, before they take what precious love remains. Jesus expands on what the active kind of love looks like when he, when he speaks of it not being just a warm, fuzzy feeling. It's the power that created the universe. That love is the same power that created the cosmos, and it's in each of us. It's a force that brings life out of death. Love is active. And so when we love Jesus, we, we do so by, by doing good, by blessing and praying. These generous actions mark us as children of God because this is how God loves us. Doing good, blessing others, and prayer. They actually have the power to transform hate and violence and evil in the world because they are actions of love. Love acknowledges suffering and pain without being overcome by despair. Love struggles for freedom and justice without turning to hate the oppressors. Love strongly defies sin and evil in all of its forms through the ethic of Jesus wrapped in the mercy and forgiveness of God. The reward for living in this way today is great, says Jesus. It is the certainty that we too have been forgiven, that God is merciful, and that we have every reason to be filled with gratitude. And Jesus was known for more than love, but his way was always love. His love was never a recipe for being liked. Tertullian's view that people would, would be 
uh, turned Christian by simply witnessing the love of Jesus' followers for each other, it was rarely a reality. The Christians of his day were surrounded by enemies, mercilessly persecuted, and Jesus and his disciples were all executed for living their lives as close to pure love as possible. But love is our only hope. Not as the world loves, but as God first loved us. God's love gave us life. It gives us life. It will sustain our lives now and forever. The Word is love. And the Word is good. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.